Real estate is not something that you can just, you know, click a sell order uh, and have your cash in five days. Uh, you know, private real estate should be for your longer term dollars in that three to seven year range. You're listening to Alternative Investor Mastermind, where we do a deep dive on alternative investment opportunities and the lifestyle it can create. Join Jack Krupe as he presents actionable tips and tricks in doing passive real estate away from mainstream strategies. Go beyond the usual fix and flips and try less explored yet rewarding investing ventures from multifamily properties, mobile homes to cryptocurrencies. Do not miss this opportunity to escape traditional assets and finally create wealth without Wall Street. Now your host, Jack. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Alternative Investor Mastermind. Today is an episode with me and my friend and partner, Willie Bonatti. Willie, thanks for joining. Yeah, absolutely, Jack. Great to be back again. So today we want to talk about why your financial advisor has not told you about private real estate funds and syndications. And uh, it's a question that's come up a lot. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, a few uh, a few reasons uh, why you may not have uh, have heard about them, and also uh, um, you know some some pros and cons, and and just an overall analysis of the private uh, private funds and private syndications. So, um, a lot of questions we've got. Um, you know, as I said, the number one was why why weren't they told? Uh, why hasn't your advisor told you? Um, there, I've also had, had people, uh, concerned that they just don't have the knowledge, the access or enough money to, to invest in these types of, uh, of deals. And, um, you know, a lot of people are, are worried about, uh, about being, being scammed or, or just, uh, you know, having a much higher risk than, you know, than something, uh, more traditional stock market index funds, et cetera. And, uh, and lastly, uh, a lot of questions of, about liquidity. Um, you know, one of the only good things in my opinion about, uh, the stock market is, uh, you know, you can generally click a button and, uh, and, and sell, uh, that also can be a very bad thing because a lot of people do, uh, <laughs> do panic sell. So, yeah. uh, yeah. So, so Willie, and in, in earlier in your life and career, you actually were, uh, a financial advisor. So fr from your past, uh, why, why do you think, uh, most advisors are not, uh, telling their, their clients about, uh, private real estate funds and syndications? Yeah, Jack, that's a great question. So, um, you know, there's, there's a multitude of reasons and the, and the first and, and really simple one is, you know, that they don't get paid on it. Right. So, um, FAs and wealth advisors, uh, make commissions on products, uh, they sell or they make a percentage of the assets that they have under management. Uh, and they want all of your investable dollars. Um, and trust me, they're not going to go out of their way to say it may be beneficial to have a portion of your overall asset allocation in, in real estate or, or other alternative investments. Uh, the second is typically, you know, if you say that you're interested in investing in real estate, uh, they will typically recommend a public REIT, uh, which they do get paid on. Uh, however, public REITs do little in diversifying you away from public you know, the public market roller coaster. Uh, public REITs uh, have the same exposure to market sentiment and economic outlook um, as stocks do. Uh, they also have unfavorable uh, tax implications in comparison to private real estate. Um, another reason, uh, which I think you touched on just there briefly, was uh, it is illiquid and 
this is true. Uh, real estate is not something that you can just, you know, click a sell order uh, and have your cash in five days. Uh, you know, private real estate should be for your longer term dollars in that three to seven year range. Um, another reason is there, you know, high barriers to entry. Um, so private real estate uh, investments often require large minimum investments, you know, 25,000, 50, even 100,000, uh, which can make it difficult for some investors to participate. Uh, and additionally, in many cases, you need to be an accredited investor to participate. Um, but if you do meet those requirements uh, and have those dollars to put aside in an investment for three to five years or three to seven years, rather, uh, then it really needs to be on your radar. Um, another reason is lack of diversification. So um, if you're only investing in one property, uh, yes, that is true. And it does expose you to, to a lot of risk. Um, and the last real uh, big reason is, you know, the management and operational risk. Uh, if you yourself are doing it, uh, it can be really time consuming. Uh, and if you're not experienced, it can lead to a lot of mistakes uh, and financial losses. Uh, if you are passively investing and partnering uh, with someone, there is risk that they are also not qualified uh, to manage or operate uh, the property. So that is that is a risk. So. Those are really the the, the main reasons uh, that that I've heard and, and seen. Yeah, that's a it's a really good summary. And as as you were talking, I was uh, just thinking about uh, you know what we've done over the last couple of years and what we what we try to do to uh, uh, alleviate a majority of those concerns for our our partners and our investors in our private real estate funds. And uh, you know the look the the liquidity is one that uh, you know that's probably the the, the main trade off, but. Uh, um, yeah, as I mentioned, I, I know I know way too many people who panic sell when the, when the when the the market drops. So there's actually some benefits to to being illiquid as long as you're you know not using money you need to live off of in the next uh, one to two years. Um, you know, real estate is is cyclical, but even uh, you know even 2007 through 2015, if you held for seven or eight years, you were you were net up. So as long as you didn't sell at the bottom and uh, yeah, you had the wherewithal to have positive cash flow throughout. Um, it's it still worked out. Uh, uh, it still should have worked out well. It goes back to that dollar cost averaging. Look, I couldn't agree more with you there. I mean, I was, you know, just to to give the audience a little bit more color. I was in the banking and advisory business for six years, and in a really tough period, uh, it was basically two thousand five to two thousand eleven, twelve. Right, so you know. The end of good times in 2005 and 2006, and then some really bad times from from 07, late 07 to you know 2010. Um, and one of the things that really kind of frustrated me was, and it's just a reality, right? So it's it's really emotional uh, for people um, investing. Uh, it's very emotional, and when they see that their account is you know down 15 percent or 20 percent. Um, the inclination for many is I got to get out of this, you know, uh, th this is going to go to zero or this is, you know, so they panic sell, um, despite, you know, my advice or the advice of most advisors would be, you know, well, this is a long-term, you know, longer term horizon, like just, just wait, right. Or buy more cause everything's on sale. Uh, like you should be buying when, when it's down, not selling. Um, and, and it was, you know, 
sad and frustrating that, you know, I think a lot of people uh, sell at the wrong times and, and, and buy at the wrong time. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. I just, as, as you were chatting there, I just pulled up the VNQ, which is the, the Vanguard real estate ETF. And, uh, you know, the high of the last 12 months was 113 and, uh, you know, it's at 82 right now. So down, um, well over 20, 25% in the last 12 months, whereas, yeah. uh, properties, uh, syndications or funds that, uh, uh, were entered last, uh, you know, last April, um, interest rates were already moving. So to some extent they were priced into, you know, to funds and syndications at that point. And, uh, you know, those are generally spitting off, uh, you know, the same dividend and, uh, are, you know, up in value, uh, because of the heavy focus on value add, uh, they've actually increased their net operating incomes. And, uh, you know, if they had fixed rate debt, they're, they're drastically increasing their net operating income. Um, yeah. there are some properties with variable rate debt where the interest rates eaten into it a little bit, but, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, drastically better and over a three to five year period, it's, it's going to be, you know, a consistent grind higher in an operating income. And, uh, you know, when it, because they're, you know, professionally managed by, you know, a team of investors who also have their own money at stake, unlike any financial advisor there, there, no financial advisor has, has the same portfolio mirrored as you do, but, uh, investing in a syndication deal, the operator is required by, by the bank to have their own money invested as well and skin in the game. So, um, yeah. overall, I think, uh, illiquidity, as long as you have enough money to live on and, you know, many people also use money or invest in, you know, they either put money in their retirement accounts and some use a self-directed IRA even, uh, if you look at it more like a retirement account and not like a, a short-term gamble, uh, the illiquidity shouldn't really be a concern for especially for credit investors who already qualify. Um, and, um, yeah, with that said, there are some barriers to entry for, you know, for those that are kind of starting out earlier in their career, just haven't quite, uh, quite made that, that status yet, which is, uh, unfortunate, but it's part of life. I wasn't accredited when I was 21 years old myself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, um, diving in a little deeper on, on the liquidity point there, you know, um, you know, as we've, as we've just said, you know, private real estate is illiquid. Um, and from an overall, you know, financial standpoint or investing standpoint, you really need to have several buckets of money. You need to have emergency funds, short-term uh, and long-term. And those emergency funds need to be liquid and not at risk of any fluctuation. So, you know, money markets are typically the best for that. Uh, short term is in that one to three year range, which could be, you know, an index fund, uh, that follows the S and P 500, uh, and has a really low fee, uh, you know, say 30, 30 basis points. Uh, and the whole intention of that is the returns are going to be better than money market, but you still have liquidity in the event that in the event that you need access to, uh, in the short term though, you know, if the market is down and, and you have to access it for some reason, you need to be able to, to stomach those losses. Um, then everything else uh, that is long term, uh, you can cut up into an allocation that you're comfortable with, uh, and maybe it's a 50, 30, 20 split. So, 50% in stocks, 30% in bonds, 20% in alternatives or or or, or real estate. Um, and this is really up to your preference. So, you know, for me personally, I know that that private real estate is is um, 
easily going to beat equities on a total return and tax advantage basis. So all of my money, all of my long-term money is in private real estate. Um, and there's really no right or wrong here. You know, you can dip your toes in and see for yourself uh, and then start allocating more over the years as you gain experience and knowledge. Um, Jackie mentioned the high barriers to entry. Uh, you know, this used to be the case prior to the Jobs Act in, in 2012, uh, but in recent years, participating passively uh, in private commercial real estate projects has become a lot more prolific. Uh, and if you look, uh, there are a lot more real, reputable uh, fund managers and operators doing this. Um, Another point that I that I talked about, uh, or another reason that advisors aren't recommending this, is they'll say, "Oh, you're it's you're not, you won't be diversified." Um, and while this is true, uh, if you only invest in one property, this isn't you know it isn't the end all be all, right? If you have enough capital, uh, you could invest in different markets with multiple operators uh, and achieve diversification this way. Uh, though for most, that isn't possible due to the the overall capital it re it requires to do that. Um, and this is actually one of the main drivers of why we created the JCAM Diversified Fund, uh, which is to give you access uh, at a $50,000 minimum uh, that provides you with dozens of properties, operators, and markets uh, to help mitigate that, that diversification risk. And I'd like to say that we're the only ones doing this, but, uh, but we're not. Um, and the last point that I'll I'll dig in a little deeper on is is the management and operational risk. Um, and look, if you're if you're doing this yourself and have no experience, uh, it can be challenging and risky, and, and quite frankly, not worth it. You know, if you're you know W two full time and and taking on rental properties, uh, what you'll find out really quickly is um, you know that's not passive at all. Uh, there's a lot more work uh, that goes into that than uh, than you may expect. Uh, and then if you do decide to be a passive and, and partner with an operator, uh, you better make sure you understand how to evaluate uh, an operator as well as the property. Uh, again, this is another driver of why JCAM created the Diversified Fund is we are experienced in sourcing and underwriting private real estate properties and operators uh, and providing our investors with best-in-class opportunities. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's great stuff. It's, it's definitely great, a passion definitely of, of of mine, and I know uh, you share it as well to uh, um, try to provide people access to these opportunities and uh, get uh, you know more people more exposure to you know superior investments outside of the the traditional uh, traditional financial. Yeah, system. I mean our, our our tagline is wealth without Wall Street. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's. Uh, that's great. Um, and, and, you know, so you, you've actually gotten a number of your, uh, you know, friends, colleagues, uh, former business associates in what, what, what's the, what's the mindset been for shifting, uh, you know, for someone who, someone that you, you knew personally from, from the, you know, from never doing something outside of the traditional stock market into jumping into alternatives. Yeah, sure. So, um, a lot of it was, you know, you know, they know, like, and trust me. Um, so that's a big piece of it. Uh, and there's also just a, you know, a general curiosity on wanting to participate, um, you know, in these type of opportunities. Um, many of them are looking for, for yield or, or better returns. Um, 
than they were getting out of their their bond or equity portfolio. Um, and, a, and a huge part of it as well has been the tax uh, tax benefits. So, you know, on, on many of these multifamily syndications, you can see, you know, 80 to 90% depreciation in the first year. Um, so, you know, those, those are really the, were the main drivers, I think, um, you know, and like once you, once you learn about it, uh, participate in it and become knowledgeable, um, you know, there's just no going back. Right. I mean, um, you know, in my opinion and, and many others, you know, private commercial real estate is far superior to, um, you know, your, your standard cookie cutter, um, you know, investment portfolio in, in public markets. So. Yeah. And I, I think there's a lot of people and that tends to be a lot of the people we work with that are caught, they're accredited, they're worth between one and 10 million. So they've got, uh, you know, real assets, but for most financial advisors, that's not, it's not enough to really come up with a custom plan. Uh, it's just fit in, fit in one of these couple boxes of allocations. And I've seen far too many investors that own REITs. And uh, if you're in the top income tax bracket and you have REITs in your portfolio and your taxable portfolio, you're paying at least 29.6% tax on your dividends. And uh, it's appalling to me that, uh, you know, that, that advisor did not, uh, you know, did not go over with them that you know, those are those are actually non-qualified dividends. Uh, if it's in a retirement account, it's uh, you know not as bad because you're not paying tax on, on that. But uh, um, comparing that to being in a real estate fund, you're actually showing a loss on paper and receiving the same or higher uh, preferred return uh, as what di- as dividend you would have received, and uh, that's ultimately tax deferred generally until the property sells or the fund is in its last year of operations. So, um, you know, if you factor in 30% more cash in your pocket every year for, for four to five years, it's, uh, you know, it, it drastically increases the overall return of an investment. That's just one minor thing. There's a, there's a lot, a lot of other, uh, tax benefits to it as well. Yeah. I mean, look, we don't want to like completely rip on, um, advisors and registered investment advisors, wealth, um, wealth advisors, financial planners, et cetera. You know, in most cases, um, they're, they're really great at advising you, uh, on how to invest in public markets and, and put together plans for your family. Um, but you know, I think they're leaving out a significant piece, um, that's really going to help you become truly wealthy. Um, and that's private real estate. Um, and just, you know, a quick antidote um, from my from my FA days, you know, not one of my clients that was wealthy became wealthy from strictly investing in public markets. Um, almost all of my really wealthy clients became wealthy from um, investing in commercial real estate uh, or being a business owner, period. Uh, you know, not one of them got rich or, or wealthy. Uh, you know, from their, from their stock portfolio, or it was, you know, a very few. That's really, really well said. And that just reminds me of a, another point. And we have uh, a number of other episodes on uh, using self-directed IRA retirement accounts 
Um, so for, for business owners, there's a lot of other options to take control of your retirement accounts as well, which often are just parked with traditional financial advisors. Uh, but you can use them to invest in real estate funds, real estate syndications. You could do private lending. Um, and it also opens up a lot of other avenues. If you are a business owner to put away a lot more money pre-tax as well. Um, well more than that. $16,000 or $20,000 that you could traditionally put into a corporate 401k plan. And uh, um, the last point for those that are still W-2 employees, but if you have changed jobs, I mean, you could actually take your prior retirement account and take control of that self-directed and and do these types of investments as well. And that's uh, a lot of people just don't know that that's out there and available. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That business... Uh, you can, if you're a business owner, you can do a SEP IRA. Um, and then if you change, change jobs or, uh, or leave, leave a company, um, that, uh, retirement account can be moved into a, uh, self-directed IRA. Um, and even some, um, employee sponsored plans or, um, employee retirement plans, you can do what are called in-service withdrawals. Um, and basically roll a portion of that into a self-directed IRA. I mean, I tried to do that with, with my wife's account, um, you know, because there's maybe like 15 investment options in her retirement plan with her, with her, with her company, um, you know, and they're all, you know, asset allocation funds. Um, you know, the fees aren't high, but you know, I just, I would rather have that in, you know, it's long-term, so I would rather have that in, you know, in commercial real estate, but unfortunately, um, it is what it is and it can't be moved. Um, so. Yeah. But, the, but there's a lot of options. Yeah. For most people, there's a lot of options out there and in being aware of them now, cause you never know when, you know, when life events change, when you move, when you change jobs. So, uh, it's important to have to be educated so that, uh, if, and when the time is right, you can take full advantage of it. And uh, to be clear, neither of us are currently financial advisors, nor nor are we planning to be. But we uh, we we look at this like a like a mastermind, and uh, you know, love to have strategy conversations with uh, you know friends, clients, potential investors, and uh, really just help each other figure out the uh, you know most efficient way we can manage our our funds together. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Great. Well, uh, I think uh, I think we covered a lot, uh, and we we try to keep these episodes uh, relatively short and sweet. So, uh, thanks uh, thanks for uh, coming on and joining me today, and uh, look forward to doing another episode soon. Yeah, absolutely, Jack. Great to be back, and uh, we'll see you on a future episode. Great. Well, uh, everyone, please, if you like the episode, please uh, give us a like and a review on iTunes and Spotify. Follow us on YouTube. And uh, we're on all major social media platforms, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. So uh, please reach out on your social media platform of choice. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode. See you guys. Make it a great day. That's all for this episode of Alternative Investor Mastermind. Now that you know the many alternative opportunities out there all up for the taking, you can finally become ultra-connected and ultra-wealthy. Get more valuable advice from the experts by subscribing to the show at alternativeinvestormastermind.com. Become a winner in the world of passive investing today in alternative investment strategies. Thank you for joining us. Until next time.